Guys, welcome to Riverside Community Church. Uh, my name is Brian Doback. Uh, we got the, again, the, the Brazil team is back. This is just exciting. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling it uh, in the air today. Uh, it's just what happens when these teams come back um, and we're, we're just involved with them and they rub off on us a little bit, which is a great thing. Uh, Scott Jackson, uh, the leader of the team, he sent me a text message last night and it kind of ties into what we're going to talk about today, but I want to read the text message. Uh, Scott Jackson is the leader of uh, Churches and Missions who puts on these mission trips at Brazil. And I text him, uh, welcome home, Jacksons, right? Pretty simple. He's like, thanks, bro. Amazing God, spirit, moving trip, right? And then he writes, people waiting outside for our arrival, People are waiting outside for our arrival. He's talking about when they touched down there in Brazil in the airport. All these people, all these Brazilians are waiting for them in the airport for their arrival. And this is just amazing. Keith and I, we were talking earlier this week uh, how amazing it is that we can go to Brazil, right? Uh, despite these cultural barriers, these language barriers, um, and everybody on the team, probably, we haven't met them, right? We haven't met them. And when we leave there, we may never see them again, right? But when you go down there in Brazil, the love is palpable. The, 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 you're welcomed uh, in Brazil. And you can just feel the love, the genuine love, the peace. And the reason being is because we are one in Christ. Despite our differences, again, language barriers and cultural barriers, we are one in Christ. And we are able to go down there, and it's almost as if we've already known each other. The acceptance is just amazing. And I know that's what they experienced uh, down there in that trip. Keith and I are alumni on the trip. He went in 2012. I went in 2013. So that's what we're going to talk about today, guys, is uh, that we are one in Christ. Okay? Last week, we learned about our reconciliation with God as individuals, Right? For by grace you have been saved through faith and is not of your own doing, right? But today, we're going to learn that it actually doesn't end there. It doesn't just end there, this reconciliation between us and God as individuals. Uh, today, we're going to learn that our reconciliation with God, it leads to another reconciliation between each other, between each other, between people groups, right? That's where the tie-in is with uh, us and the Brazilians down there. So and now in the mid-first century and a long time before that, there was a lot of hostility, a lot of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles, a lot of hostility. We're going to learn about that a little bit today. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. Most of us in here are Gentiles, okay? So there was a lot of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles, and Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, this letter to Ephesus, uh, to encourage the Gentile believers that Jews and Gentiles have been united as one in Christ. They've been united as one in Christ. But you see, this message, it wasn't just for them then. It wasn't just for them. It's for us today. It's for us today too. Jesus brings people together. He brings people together. And Paul, he uses the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles as an example so we're going we're gonna to get into the scripture, and the first thing we're going to talk about is like, okay, what did this mean to them then? And then we're going to talk about what does this mean for us today? Okay? Let's get into the scripture. 
starting at verse 11, the scripture says, therefore, so I'm going to stop there. I'm going to pump the brakes. Therefore is a huge word. Huge word. Paul is tying in two thoughts together, right? So we got to go back to last week and what we talked about last week, right, when Keith preached. It was all about this reconciliation with God as individuals, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing. So this reconciliation between us and God as individuals. So what Paul is saying here is, Paul is saying is that because of our reconciliation with God in Christ, it's going to lead to this, what he's going to talk about in today's scripture. Therefore, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. What's going on there? So the Jews were referred to as the circumcision party, and the Jews referred to the Gentiles as the uncircumcision. Okay? Now, circumcision, it's everything that you're thinking of. This isn't anything different. Okay? (laughs) Let's just get that clear. Circumcision was once used by God as an outward sign of the covenant between him and the Jewish nation. It was an outward sign of, hopefully, an inward faith, okay? And it set them apart to God, this outward symbol, okay? Now, when Jesus was resurrected, uh, the law was fulfilled, and circumcision no longer was what set them apart to God. It was no longer something that they had to do to be, to be uh, identified to God, right? We're now under a new covenant of grace, Right? And we're set apart to God through faith in Christ and faith alone. Okay, so our identity is now solely in a relationship with Jesus through an inward faith and nothing else. It was never the law that reconciled us to God. It was never the law. It was always faith. It always was faith, and it, always, and it still is faith. So that the law and circumcision no longer counted for salvation, and that the Gentiles were now included, it rubbed the Jews the wrong way. They were like, what? Like, you're telling me all this stuff that we've been doing for over a thousand years? Like, we've been doing this forever, and the Gentiles, they're a part of the kingdom now, and they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything, right? They couldn't let go of the law as a means to being reconciled to God. They couldn't believe that Gentiles didn't have to be circumcised. Okay? So the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles was bad. It was really bad. It's a lot like relationships that you see in the world today between people groups. You're seeing it on TV right now. You're seeing the the conflict and the strife and and the friction between people. It's no different back then with the Jews and the Gentiles. And I'm going to read this quote from William Barclay just to kind of give you some perspective on the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. William Barclay wrote, listen up. The Jew had an immense contempt for the Gentile. The Jews said the Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. They said God loves only Israel of all the nations that he had made. It was not even lawful to render help to a Gentile mother in her hour of sorest need, for that would simply be to bring another Gentile into the world. The Gentiles were an object of contempt to the Jews. The barrier between them was absolute. If a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl, or if a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, 
the funeral of that Jewish boy or girl was carried out. Such contact with a Gentile was the equivalent of death. This is what's going on between the Jews and the Gentiles. This is basically racism, is what this is. Okay? So Paul, Paul is very transparent about this. Paul himself being a Jew. Paul is very transparent about this, about this relationship between them, and he explains in no sweet words where the Gentiles once were before Christ. Okay? He says in verse 12, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So Paul reminds the Gentiles of Ephesus where they once were, and these are harsh realities, but he's not bashing the Gentiles. He's just reminding them of, of them, what their past was. Because when you remember their past and where you once were, where you presently are is so much sweeter, right? So he uses these strong words, separated, meaning living apart from Christ, alienated, excluded from the nation of Israel, strangers. They didn't know about the covenant promises. They were strangers to the covenant promises. No hope. No hope. Without God. Without God in the world. So moving along in the scripture, okay? That's where they once were. In verse 13, it starts with, but now. But now. Those are huge words. Those are powerful words. I love those words. It represents a turn of events. The tables are about to turn, right? The tide is about to shift. This is where you were, but now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Right? Jesus, he's like a bridge. They've been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's like a bridge bringing them from one place to this new place now, right? Verse 14, for he himself, the person of Jesus, he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So Jesus is like a wrecking ball. He's breaking down the dividing wall of hostility. He's not like the operator of the wrecking ball, right? He's not like swinging on the wrecking ball, right? He is the wrecking ball itself, right? Jesus in his crucified flesh is breaking down the wall. Jesus in his crucified flesh is breaking down the wall. It's the actual force that breaks down that dividing wall of hostility. And he, his crucified flesh broke down the wall by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. What's that mean? So Old Testament law, it served a purpose for God. It actually, it kind of created like social boundaries, right? To pave the way for Jesus. God had to create a lineage, right? Through the Jewish people. And the lineage had to be pure, right? So it set up social boundaries to pave the way for Christ, Okay. Now, the Jews, God said they were special, but he never said that they were superior. He never said that they were superior. So the law, it, it separated us. But when Christ came fulfilling all of the law, grace now unites 
all of us into one people. And this unity was accomplished by the blood of Christ. Look at the scripture. By the blood of Christ in his flesh through the cross. Continuing in verse 15. So by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you and were far off and peace to those who were near. By the blood of Christ, in his flesh, through the cross. It's all about the cross. It's all about the blood. It's all about Jesus' crucified flesh. Okay? So no longer just Jews that are redeemed, but Gentiles are as well. And they're put, that's putting an end to this hostility between the two people groups. Now, this, this, was, this was a pervading issue in the churches back then. Actually, it, it, was an, it was an issue that Paul felt prompted to address in other books of the New Testament. It wasn't just the Ephesus church. If you look in the Galatians church, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Jesus. And he said to the Colossian church, Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. We are all one in Christ. So while there are benefits to this peace that we experience here between each other, it's actually, it's not, it's not even about us. It's not about us. It's about God. It's about His glory. It's about Him and, and, and His dwelling place uh, with, within us. Now, we're going to see what God is doing actually behind the scenes. We see this peace amongst each other when we're one in Christ, but God's actually doing something else behind the scenes that we can't quite see yet, okay? So, verse 18. For through Him, through Him, Jesus, for through Him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So, for through Him... Paul is saying, because of what Jesus did, this is who you now are. And, and this is what you are a part of. And this is how you identify yourself. Okay? Verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God, by the Spirit. So Paul, he uses the same language as earlier in the text, but he reverses them, right? We're no longer strangers and aliens, right? Now we're citizens, and we're not citizens of Israel. We're citizens of the household of God, which is far greater than the nation of Israel. Brick-making factories... Guys, these, these brick-making factories, um, they make bricks in these huge kilns, okay? I, I just learned this while I was preparing for this sermon. Uh, they, they make bricks in these huge kilns, and some of them, they come out deformed, 
right? And they don't pass the test. These bricks are deformed and they don't pass the test. Guys, we're all sinners. We all fall short. No matter who we are, no matter where we're from, the color of our skin, what country we're from, what our differences are, we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the kingdom of God. Nobody in the world has ever passed the test. But one. But one. Jesus Christ. He is the one and only perfect and binding stone that passed the test. And he's the stone that all these clinker bricks, us, are building around him. And God is building a holy temple with every single one of us. You should see these churches. Some churches actually, and not just churches, but they build their buildings with clinker bricks. And it's actually, it's symbolic when the churches do it. it it's the most imperfect looking church. You can Google image it. Just Google image like clinker brick, clinker brick church. And you'll see pictures of these churches where the bricks are just like nasty and ugly. And they just like jut out. And, but they're doing it on purpose right? This amazing thing is being built with these imperfect stones, but with Christ as the perfect and binding stone. Jesus himself is our peace. We divide each other, right? We divide each other. Jesus, he's the great equalizer. He levels the playing field, right? He levels the playing field. He unites us and he reconciles us together. So what does this mean to us today? You might be saying to yourself, all right, I get it, Preacher Brian, that's cool. I I see what that meant then. What does that mean today, in our day, in this day and time? Some of you are laughing, like, yeah, I know what that means today. You see all this stuff going on on TV. Guys, I I I want this, this scripture is so important today. I want to apply this as holistically as possible, okay? Like, what does this reconciliation look like in my life I remember when I first came to Christ and the gospel was rooted in my heart, I distinctly remember the first place that Jesus was pushing me towards were my parents. I love my parents, don't get me wrong. You know, that goes without question, but I didn't honor my parents. I didn't honor my parents, I'm just being real. I just felt the love of Christ in me, just wanting to reconcile with my parents. And it still happens today. The gospel has reconciled me to my parents. Guys, the gospel reconciles two spouses in their marriages. Maybe some of you are in here right now experiencing this. Maybe, or maybe you have. My wife and I, it seems like we're being reconciled to each other on a weekly basis. That's not a bad thing, though. Gospel reconciliation What does this reconciliation look like in the church? Look around Riverside. You're sitting in a box of reconciliation, right? We got Caucasian. We got Nicaraguan, right? Marjorie. We got got Native American, right? Steve? I'm just calling people out. I'm just calling people out. Guys, we got African-American, right? 
Amen. We got African-American. We got Jewish. Amen. We got Jewish in here. What else? Dominican? Dominican. Cuban. Right? We got Cuban in here. Right? Trina? What else? Irish? Italian? Guatemala. Thank you. If I'm missing anything, I'm sorry. This is, this is all I can think of. I was going through everybody I know, and I was like, okay, who's... <laughs> Guys, this is real, though. This is real. Many different people being reconciled to each other, all under one banner, loving one another, all one in Christ. So because of this reconciliation, I can be in a loving, discipling relationship with Frandy over here, who's Dominican. I don't know the first thing of what it means to be Dominican. I don't. But we both know the same God. We are one in Christ. And that's all we need to love each other and be in a discipling relationship with each other. Don't get me wrong, I want to know, you know what it's like to be a Dominican, but I'll never really know because I'm not Dominican. That's something only Frandy knows. But we both know about Jesus. Right? We both know who we once were. And we both know who we now are in Christ. Where else in the world are we seeing reconciliation? Keith brought a great story to me earlier this week. Keith gives me great illustrations. I appreciate it. (laughs) Gotta give him credit. In Rwanda, okay? Rwanda, 1994... The Hutu tribe, you got the Hutu tribe and the Tutsi tribe. The Hutu tribe commits a mass genocide on the Tutsi tribe, killing 800,000. 800,000 Tutsis. The Hutus go to prison for 20 years. After 20 years, they're being released from prison, and they're going back into the very community where they committed this genocide. And all these Tutsis previously... They were becoming Christians, right? And they were learning about forgiveness. Now the Hutus are coming back into the community. And the Tutsi Christians are forgiving these Hutus. And not just that, the Hutus are coming to Christ. And they're all living together again in the same community. And they're loving each other, forgiving each other. They are one in Christ. That's powerful. Can you imagine people in Hatboro? slaughtering 800,000 people in Horsham. Can you imagine that happening here? And then they're going to prison, and then 20 years they come back, and they move back into the Hatboro-Horsham community, and they're living amongst these people, and the Horsham people are forgiving the Hatboro people, and the Hatboro people are coming to Christ. That's exactly what's happening over there. Where is this reconciliation missing in the church? Where is this missing in the church? I found this on Google News. Guys, uh, in Belfast, there's these things called the peace walls. There's these huge walls that they've constructed and they're scattered all throughout the city of Belfast. Okay, And the purpose of the walls are to minimize violence in the neighborhoods, get this, between Irish Catholics and British Protestants. Seriously? Where's the gospel in this? You call yourself Christians? What do you need walls for? (laughs) Where is the gospel in your hearts? 
Reconciliation is missing in that situation. Guys, look at Baltimore. You see on TV, look at Ferguson. Guys, don't, don't get me wrong. There's a place for peaceful protest. There's a place for legislation and laws. There is. But all that's really doing is just modifying behavior. It's modifying behavior. We need heart change. We need transformed hearts, right? There's a war going on in people's hearts, and what we're seeing on TV, it's just a projection of people's hearts. That's all it is. It's what's in their heart, and it's just coming out of them, and it's being manifested in their lives. Guys, it's something only the gospel can win. Only the gospel can truly bring people together, right? God brings unity among us by unifying us to him individually. When we, when we unify to God individually, the gospel unifies us corporately. Make sense? And this is how he's building his kingdom. It's all about God and his kingdom. God doesn't just want to reconcile us to him. He wants us, he wants us to reconcile to each other. It just doesn't end there with him. Paul proves this, and he proves to the Gentiles their inclusion into God's kingdom by pointing them to what Christ did. Paul is always pointing people to what Christ did. Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look what he did. That's what we do here at Riverside. Right? I'll be honest, it's impossible to build lasting unity among people by saying that all religions can come together as equally valid. It's impossible. You can't do it. Why? Because only one has the blood. It's all about the blood. Christ's crucified flesh. It's all about the cross. Only one religion has the blood. Jesus did all of this by his blood in his flesh, through the cross. Highlight those words in your Bibles. He alone redeems relationships and reconciles us to each other by reconciling us to God. Hostility in the world met its match on the cross. And it ended in the tomb. It ended in the tomb. You see, our sin, when you see all this hate, that's sin. When you see all this sin, Jesus bore that sin. He bore that hatred. Somebody's like, I hate you. And the other person's like, no, I hate you. Jesus comes in between them. He takes it upon himself, right? Levels the playing field. You're both sinners. You're both going to be judged. But I'm taking your judgment for you. Now you're one in Christ. Receive me in faith and you are one in Christ. You will have peace. You will have peace. You see, in Christ, there aren't different color churches. You're either a red church or you're no church. And I'm not talking about the color red. I'm talking about the blood. Because that's what the Father sees. That's all He sees. He sees the blood. He wants to see if we're covered in the blood of Christ. And if we're not, then we're no church. We're no church. 
when Jesus was crucified, also crucified was our capacity to distinguish ourselves from one another based on what we can see. Based on what we can see. When we receive Jesus by faith, we crucify the flesh. Right? Scripture says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Differences in race, class, gender, economic condition, politics, and opinions, they exist. But they go from being barriers to bridges. Barriers to bridges. And it's all to the glory of God. It's all to His glory and the building of His kingdom. The world needs the gospel. Next time you're seeing conflict in people, show them this scripture. Disciple them. Be like, guys, I want, I want you to see this scripture. Look what Jesus is doing. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for uh, your word. God, I thank you for the scriptures that we can actually hold your word in our hand, in the palms of our hands, and, and read your word. You have revealed yourself to us, God. You have, received, you have revealed your plan. You're, you're reconciling us to you, God, but it doesn't end there. You're reconciling us to each other. God, and let us walk out these doors with this in mind. Guys, when we're watching TV and we see what's going out there, God, I pray that our hearts are breaking and it just makes us want to just go somewhere and just tell people about the gospel. Look what Jesus has done. Look what he's doing. God, I thank you for this, Lord, and it's all to your glory, and I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.